Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 232 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and we have a small crew this week. Krim couldn't make it today, but Richard, the owner of MTG Goldfish, is here. How's it going today, Richard? Hey, Seth. What's going on? Uh, there is actually a surprising amount going on this Monday afternoon in the magic world. We have a super full cast of things to talk about. We had a BNR announcement, and uh, this was actually one of those rare BNR announcements where things actually happened. So we got bannings to talk about in Modern and in Commander. It was pre-release weekend, so we have some stories from pre-release. Uh, we had some big Modern tournaments. We got a shake-up in the standard format, thanks, of course, at 2020, some Magic Arena news. So we're going to be jumping around, trying to get through all of these topics today. So that's the plan. Lots of ground to cover. But before we get into it, uh, I wanted to let you know that the sponsor of our episode today is FlipsideGaming.com and their Richard King Ferguson collection of playmats. You can check out new takes on classics like the Con Black Blade in Arcane Denial, and you can even use the discount code GOLDFISH to get 10% off your purchase, and it helps support the show. So thank you so much to FlipsideGaming.com for supporting the podcast today. And uh, with that out of the way, Richard, we got a ton of news. We got to jump right into it, and let's start off with probably the biggest news, which was today's BNR announcement. So, Richard, uh, what happened with the BNR today? All right, we have two BNR announcements. So, first, let's go with the official Watsi one covering the official formats. Uh, modern Hogak is dead. Bridge from below is banned. So, bridge from below is banned. Hogak so this... was alive for a month. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Hogak made it about a month, and uh, they laid out some of the evidence for it, its win rates on Magic Online and so forth, how much it was warping the metagame by people having to play so much graveyard hate, and I think this was a necessary banning. Like, it's a little weird to see a deck get banned after a month, but I feel like in this case, it's actually worth it. I feel like most people wanted to see this deck not be a thing. We have big tournaments coming up. We have of a mythic championship in modern like three weeks from now and no one wants to see 25 percent of the pro tour meta be this hogak deck that just wouldn't be fun for ever, uh, anyone so i think that this was just something that had to be done in my opinion and the upside of going for bridge is bridge is a card that doesn't see play in modern like it has never really seen play it doesn't see play in modern dredge like legacy and vintage dredge do take advantage of it but modern dredge doesn't so you're banning a card that doesn't really do anything in any other deck so this is like the least harmful of the options i think you could have been altar of dementia but there's other things you can do with that maybe someone can build a slightly less broken hogak deck that doesn't have the infinite combo so i'm kind of glad that they went with bridge from below i think so I think we all foresaw this coming. Uh, I mean, we, we talked about the Hogak deck when it first came out, but I'm still surprised. I thought they would have let it run rampant at the Pro Tour just to have a spicy Pro Tour. Because uh, now we're going to see Tron and whatnot. You know, we didn't we didn't see Stoneforge unbanned. We didn't see Splinter Twin unbanned. We just saw Bridge banned. So we just get same old modern uh, with the London Mulligan. So maybe that changes things, but... I was surprised. I would thought they would let it go just to see what happens and to sell some cards, get some hype, and then ban it afterwards. 
but oh, don't worry, Richard. There are still <laughs> plenty of broken things that people are going to be doing in modern. Look, I've like... seen Turn Three Karn enough times, okay? But seeing a board full of zombies—that's <laughs> fun, right? Like, is it any different? At least, at least the Hogak player has the respect to kill you on that turn immediately. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's true. Karn, like, makes you think you have a chance as it slowly eats away your Yeah, lands. you're like, I could do this. I just I just need to draw Maelstrom Pulse or something. <laughs> and then they, like, restart the game. You're like, I can do this. I just got to yeah. drop oh, yeah, a Tarmogoyf on turn two. <laughs> I mean, I think my take on this, and a lot of people are like, well, I thought they should have done more. I re- my opinion is, I think this was the right choice. I think they had to get rid of the Hogak deck for the Pro Tour. I I know you kind of disagree. I think it would be a boring experience. I think people are already sick of the deck, even though it's been a month. So I think that that's the reason there. And then I think we haven't really gotten a big sample size to see the impact of London Mulligans with Modern Horizons. Like, it is a very new format. We haven't had a Pro Tour. We haven't even had any GPs featuring that format. Uh, so uh, we don't really know. My expectation is there's going to be several more cards that end up getting banned in the next couple announcements, but getting rid of Hogak lets us figure out what else is broken and going on uh, in this crazy new modern format. All right, I'm going to jump way ahead to Fishmail for a second to throw in this random comment by so much value, uh, which I think really harpens this, and I get to cheat because I get to read Fishmail in advance, but why did they print all these swords in Modern Horizons? and not unban Stoneforge Mystic. Like, was that not... I, th- I thought for sure they were unbanning Stoneforge because of that. You know, I didn't want to say it and hype it up and cause weird price movements and things like that, but why would you make a new sword cycle and then not unban Stoneforge? Like, what is Stoneforge going to do? I mean, thankfully, those swords are so bad that you wouldn't tutor them up with Stoneforge <laughs> even if it was legal. Well, now you're definitely but... not going to play them because you're not going to get them the fairway, right? <laughs> Uh, yeah, that is, I mean, Stoneforge being banned is silly at this point, and I am hopeful that it'll come off the ban list eventually, so, yeah, this does seem like it could have been a good opportunity, but I really think, like, they want to gather data without making more changes on what Modern Horizons is doing and what the London Mulligan rule is doing, so I feel like we need a little bit of stability. There's another ban list the end of August, I think, so a couple of months, a month and a half of stability, and then reevaluate uh, where Modern is at after that. All right, they're saving. They're saving Stoneforge. They're gonna make Sword of Damping Sphere, and then it, <laughs> and then you're, they're gonna unban Stoneforge, and then Modern will be fixed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to Commander. Commander got a little shakeup as the rules committee released their update. Paradox Engine is banned. Iona is banned. Painter Servant unbanned. This is a uh, kind of a weird one. I mean, Paradox Engine, I've been calling for that to be banned for a while. I don't think that does anything good for the Commander format, and it's one of those cards that's almost like, in our playgroup on Commander Clash, there's kind of just like an unwritten rule where no one plays it, so I feel like well, that I play was it all a the good time, choice. <laughs> Do you really? <laughs> I just don't reveal it. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Because no uh, one plays it, you're like, oh my god, combo piece, kill him, right? You can't, yeah. you can't play it on an empty board. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, I think I've put it in my deck before and, like, had it in my hand but not cast it because I was too embarrassed because <laughs> it's just so broken. Okay, that that one I understand. Paradox Engine, I can see... I, I don't... I still like Paradox Engine. It gives you combo potential in all colors, right? Because it's an artifact. It's kind of like the rings combo. Uh, Paradox Engine just lets all decks have access to a combo, but I could understand why it would think, go, but... I think the problem, I think, is... Paradox Engine, it's it's a non-deterministic kind of combo that takes forever, and I think those are especially unfun for the rest of the table. Like, with Paradox Engine, it's like, oh, I make a bunch of mana, I draw a bunch of cards, make a bunch of mana, untap everything, draw a bunch of cards. Like, everyone knows that you should win the game, but it's not like, okay, Kiki-Jiki, Restoration Angel, I go infinite, make a million creatures, you're all dead. So I think even just for that aspect of it, if I was playing with a a random play group at a GP, I don't want to sit there for 20 minutes while you while you draw your entire deck and just dirtle around with Paradox Well, what if your opponent Urza Winter Orbs you? <laughs> uh, speaking of Urza Winter Orb, that is one of the reasons that I I do not understand the second part of the spanning. Alright, hold Iona. on. How about a 9-drop? <laughs> Iona, Shield of Ameria, 7-7. Seven, seven. When it enters the battlefield, choose a color. Your opponents can't cast spells of the chosen color. Now, somebody played a monocolored deck and somebody got paired up against a reanimator deck because I don't understand why this nine drop is being banned when it doesn't, I mean, just just one color, right? Like, it doesn't even do much. Yeah, it's a, it's a card that I have thought about playing in Commander before. And I almost never do because you don't really know what colors your opponents are playing. And I always assume, well, someone can kill it. Like, even if I name a color that someone is playing, they're probably playing like a three-color deck or other people are playing different colors. So it just never has seemed that good to me. I'm sure there are times, like, yes, you could be Iona Reanimator and just be paired against three mono blue players for some reason and you just jank everyone out of the game but that seems like very much the exception rather than the rule so yeah let me let me name you other cards that do this effect stasis blood moon (laughs) winter orb wasteland like i don't know like why is this the card that gets singled out it seems very weird i like avacyn is much more scary in my opinion if you want to go after like mono white commanders or something uh, but this seems like a very, very odd choice. So the only way it makes a little bit of sense is the unbanding, uh, unbanning of, oh no, what was the painter servant? The I can't th- painter servant, yes. Uh, it does make sense with the unbanning of painter servant just no, it because <laughs> painter servant with Iona is a hard lock on everyone. Well, like, you know what? Is so is Karn Mycosynth Lattice. Like, what is, <laughs> what is your point? I don't know. It's so, ex- if, I- if my opponent, manages to assemble all of this with you know through three other players then good for them they deserve to win the game right like okay i i think if i had to choose between iona and painter servant i would probably choose painter servant being legal but i still think i don't understand why in a world of armageddon's and urza locks with static orbs and winter orbs and all these ways that you can just keep people from playing that damping sphere. <laughs> Apparently, damping sphere just locks like ninety percent of people out of uh, commander games that we've learned the last few weeks. <laughs> Rest um, in peace, you know, like <laughs> yeah, planner void. 
<laughs> but yeah, so I, there's so many ways you can just lock the table out of the game that seem more effective and cheaper than uh, Iona. I I really don't understand that banning at all. Yeah, strange. But it is what it is, and unfortunately, uh, Commander Clash will have to abide by these <laughs> because we can't change our ban list because we play on Magic Online. But if you're at home, the rules committee does encourage you to play with your own custom ban list, so you don't actually have to listen to them, right? You can just take into guidance, and if you like Iona, you can play Iona, or you can just follow the list as well. Yeah. Yeah, this is mostly uh, for, like, GPs, if you're going to go play there or something. It's nice to have a standardized rule set for stuff like that. But, yeah, definitely do your own thing uh, when you're just playing for fun in your I playing. really wish they had a YouTube series or a Twitch stream like the Rules Committee, because I, I, I kind of want to just watch their games to see... To see what happens. <laughs> I, I, it does sometimes feel like, like one of them loses to a certain card and then it shows up on the next ban list. <laughs> like that's the only way to make sense of some of the bannings. But I guess on the other hand, it wouldn't be a commander BNR announcement without there being some sort of like head scratching choice that people don't understand. So it is on theme with past, uh, commander bannings. Anyway, any more uh, BNR thoughts, uh, Richard, before we move on to other topics? Mm, nope. Rip zombie tokens. <laughs> <laughs> Are you, did the banning of Bridge and the end of Hogak, does that make you more interested in playing Modern, or don't you really care that much? I don't really care that much. I mean, <laughs> it, it would have been fun to play Hogak, <laughs> but I don't know. Now we're just back to Tron, so I don't, I don't know if it's any better, <laughs> but I mean... Jun did win the Red Bull tournament, but I don't know. It is what it is. Uh, yeah, I think it needed to go, but there's so many broken things in modern. I don't think this makes modern fair. Re- remember Eldrazi, like- Eldrazi Pro Tour. Now, what would have happened if, like, a week before they just banned Eldrazi? Then that Pro Tour would have been unmemorable, and you wouldn't have gut shots and whatever. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, I, I feel Hogak should have had one chance to shine on stage. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Well, emergency I mean, we'll banned at five rounds into be... the tournament. <laughs> yes. <laughs> After day one. <laughs> Sorry, uh, all you hog egg players. It's done. <laughs> How about a show match at the beginning? They're like, here, we'll have a show match to show you this deck. Uh, all right, let's let's move on to standard topics. Out of the world of modern, out of the world of commander. It was pre-release weekend for Corset 2020. Uh, officially in paper, a little weird because it's been out on Magic Online for or Magic Arena uh, for a week and a half or something. It's been <laughs> out a while, but uh, it was pre-release weekend. I personally have been having too much fun playing standard and modern with new cards uh, that I haven't actually done any sealed events. But Richard, you did some. Uh, pre-releasing on Magic Arena, right? Uh, yes, I was I was tricked into filling out my mastery tree this past week by <laughs> playing the overpriced pre-release events on uh, Magic Arena, and I, I was going to say it's, it's one of the more boring formats I've played. So normally when we do these pre-release things, uh, I always, like, I've noticed in the last, like, maybe two, three years, I keep coming and saying this is, like, the greatest set ever. It's so fun. The mechanics are so fun. And I wonder if I was just drinking too much of the hype train there. But then I played Core Set 2020, and it's a little boring. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's just vanilla creatures smashing into each other. There's no cool mechanics. There's no planeswalker static abilities. There's no sagas. There's... There's, like, flying creatures and removal. It's, like, very basic magic, and then you need to be really good at the fundamentals of magic to actually win. 
Uh, and then the the Cavaliers are insane bombs, and then just everything else is just like mid range battles. Like I, I don't know. I mean, in one sense, it's not as swingy and bomby as other formats, but at the same time, it's it's not exciting. I, I want my sagas to go off, and I want my planeswalkers at uncommon, and I don't know whatever artifact synergies we had in Kaladesh. I, I feel this one's a little vanilla. I mean, I think that's true. I haven't played it, but just even looking at the set, like, it's it's pretty clear that it's different than a normal set. There's all the random, like, hosers and hate cards and removal spells that you wouldn't really get in a typical standard set, and that does make it a little bit weird as far as limited is concerned. You open up a sealed pool, and it's all, like, Graft Digger's cages. Oh, yeah, my, my ley line and- Graft Digger's cage pool was great <laughs> and then like the, the lotus land too i'm like this is a great pool guys <laughs> yeah so the, the, the stuff like that can happen but really i think it's like one of those necessary evil things like standard is so much better for having core sets back that if we got to put up with kind of janky limited it's worth it and i think wizards even knows this because uh, the next pro tour in a couple of weeks is modern horizon so we're not actually going to have a a limited pro tour mythic championship for course at 2020. Uh, so I think wizards like managed to like zoom around that and find a way around it. So I don't know. I've seen good reviews on Twitter from people who have really liked the sealed format. So apparently some people like it at least, but it's yeah. a core set. There's two ways to evaluate a set. So one is like when you play a single game, like how fun is it? The mechanics and things like that. And then two, is like how balanced the format is. Like, is there only one available deck or are there like five available decks? So it's too early to figure out the latter. Like, I don't know which colors are viable and things like that. But just playing a single game, uh, it's a little vanilla. I'm not going to lie. It's a little vanilla. It feels like a core set, which I haven't had a feeling in a long time because uh, the last core set uh, was what? M19? Which was fine. M19, yeah. But then we had Dominaria replacing corsets for a year, so, eh, it is what it is. Time to play some standard. Yeah, and standard, I mean, we're gonna talk about this, uh, I guess we might as well talk about it now. Uh, standard has actually undergone a bit of a shakeup thanks to Corset 2020 and I was a little nervous that Corset 2020 wasn't going to have a big impact on Standard but one deck in specific is really making its presence felt and that is Elementals. Elementals they were a tribe that during spoiler season kept saying we're gonna have to see how much support they get there's not really any elementals i guess there's like nissa that makes lands and elementals but there's not really many elementals in standard leading up to m20 so it's almost a block constructed tribe and elementals is maybe the hottest new deck in standard and it's actually putting up a lot of results so i am pleasantly surprised that we're actually seeing new decks show up in standard based on the course i thought we might have to wait until rotation and uh, the prices are reflecting that i was doing the finance update yesterday and i think uh, in standard almost all the biggest winners of the week are elemental related it's obnath cavalier of thorns risen reef shonda uh, shonda awakened inferno uh, even yarok is slipping in there as being one of the biggest winners so uh, so what do you think about this richard have you seen the elemental decks in standard or have you just been losing to risen reef and in limited i've seen the power of risen reef and limited i didn't actually read the card until my opponent had two risen reefs on the battlefield and then i'm like um okay <laughs> But uh, how does the deck work, Seth? How can you break down the key cards in the deck and why it's a good okay. deck? Okay, so so there's basically 
two main, uh, two main decks that are elemental based decks. There's a Saltai elemental deck and a Teamer elemental deck. I think that the Saltai, uh, elemental deck is probably less popular than the Teamer deck. So let's focus on the Teamer deck first. The Teamer deck is basically straight up elemental tribal. The, you're playing all the elementals that you can muster and fit in your deck. Uh, and then you're using Risen Reef in specific as the main engine of your deck. Uh, like you said, it triggers whenever any elemental comes into play. So when you're playing like 20-ish, 25 elementals in your deck, if you have a Risen Reef or two on the battlefield, you just are drawing so many cards and putting so many lands on the battlefield that it allows you to kind of go over the top with Chandra Awakened Inferno or Nissa Who Shakes the World as kind of the finishers, along with Omnath Locust of the Royal. And the way I've lost to the Team Elemental deck most is eventually the opponent has like 15 lands on the battlefield because of all of their risen reef triggers and they have double their mana thanks to having anissa and they just cast like two or three omnas in the same turn and send them at your face with like eight elementals on the battlefield so it's almost like this weird mid-rangey almost combo feeling deck but the key cards risen reef and omnath and then the saltai versions uh, they're kind of this weird hybrid almost of an explore deck with an elemental deck because wild growth walker is also an elemental so you get wild growth walker you have slightly less elemental synergies but you get to take advantage of like yarok and command the dread horde to get back all the stuff from your graveyard. In that deck, you basically just look to outvalue your opponent. There isn't a straightforward, like, I win the game. I guess maybe, like, a big hydroid crosses or, like, a mass manipulation. But really, you're just kind of, like, grinding your opponent out by drawing so many more cards than them. That uh, sounds exciting. I, I, I didn't know that we would see Omnath in Standard, but the Kool-Aid Man is here. <laughs> I actually think that Risen Reef is unbelievably like i i asked on twitter if it was better than uh three mana to fairy and i wish uh crim was here today because <laughs> i would have loved to debate how risen reef is actually just better than to fairy but i think risen reef oh, man it's early but it almost feels like it's a card that might be too good like this might Whoa, be the card better than six Teferi? months from this, I think that it actually, like, there's weaknesses where it does die to removal and maybe the format will just adjust and play more shocks or whatever to kill it immediately. But I think that if you can have one card in standard sit on the battlefield for like two turns, Risen Reef, I think, is the best, better than Teferi in that scenario. Like, if you could choose anyone, one permanent to stay out for a couple turns, it's gotta be Risen well, Reef. Well, that's the whole problem, though, right? Creatures don't stay on the battlefield for two turns, but a Planeswalker, when your opponent can't play instant speed spells, might. We'll see. Uh, that, that's, but it, it, is a, it is a new deck without Teferi in it, right? <laughs> there are no Teferis, and really, Krim is on. That is why he's not here today, folks. He is <laughs> in the he is in the dungeon brewing up a Teferi elemental deck. <laughs> and yeah, uh, I'm sure he is. I think you actually could make that work. Bouncing your own Risen Reef to get more triggers sounds sweet. Bounce your uh, Omnath. <laughs> Take him some more. Bounce your Omnath. Do it again. Five color, five color elementals. That could be a thing. Uh, even outside of the elemental deck, though, I, I'm pleasantly surprised with how well uh, Corset 2020 is doing. There's a Vampire deck. We just got our first batch of, like, 5-0 lists uh, this morning. There's Vampire Tribal using new Soren and some of the new Vampire 
vampires, like the new vampire one drop. There's flood of tears combo <laughs> that managed to put up a five zero, where you're like using flood of tears to put omniscience into play. Uh, so there's definitely some other course at 2020 cards that are making their presence felt and. Uh, I'm happy. Uh, I'm glad. There's also one of the sweetest looking decks is uh, Simic Flash, which is using the new the new Flash Wolf Lord, but not in a wolf deck. You're just trying to play all instant speed creatures, and it has the new Mu Ying Ling as the Planeswalker, and you're just playing like all instant speed Frilled Mystics and Tricksters and Night Pack Ambusher. So there's definitely some cool and exciting things going on, and I didn't know if that would happen with Corset 2020, so... Yeah, definitely a surprise. But remember, no Pro Tour yet. And we're not getting a Pro Tour, right? Because we're going into Modern Horizons. So uh, many decks viable. I'm, I'm curious about the Flash deck, though. Does that work through Teferi? What does Teferi actually say? <laughs> is uh, it Teferi, instants and sorceries, yeah, you, or is it any spells? It, yeah, you just can't cast spells uh, unless you could cast a sorcery. So yeah, yeah, uh, Teferi <laughs> does shut it down. You need to keep Teferi off the battlefield, but um, as long as you're not playing off against Grim, you're good. Letting the flash deck <laughs> run rampant. Uh, um, all right, so moving on from standard, want to talk a little bit about modern. There was a Red Bull tournament series. We talked, I think, about the announcement of this, where Red Bull is sponsoring this tournament series. Uh, so the qualifiers happened this weekend. There were actually two of them that were pretty big, had a lot of MPL players and qualifiers. It was in modern. So, Richard, what happened uh, in the world of the Red Bull qualifiers? I have no idea, Seth, because I forgot about it. <laughs> but I did see I- screenshots on social media, and it looked like a pretty high production affair. So... Did you actually watch it, Seth? Uh, I watched some of it. Yeah, I was watching it on and off. It was in Europe, so the time zone was a a little bit weird. Uh, Starting really early in the morning for me, but yeah, I was able to catch some of it. And they had really good broadcast teams. They had a lot of the Arena Mythic Championship broadcasters uh, there, along with some like big name streamers uh, that had not really done coverage before. So coverage was good. The tournament itself was pretty Hogacky, although Hogac didn't win. I think it was actually, Jund. I believe that Jund won the one yesterday, and I think the one on Saturday was won by Blue White Control, maybe. Uh, so Hogac, while it was the most played deck, didn't actually win either of the events. So it was definitely really cool. I was uh, I was impressed with the production of the tournament and uh, just having these outside tournaments. Is this a trend, Richard? Like, is this something we should expect more of as far as, like, with this growth based on Arena? Are we going to see more Red Bulls and other sponsors stepping up and running their own tournaments? Yeah, I I think so. I think with the now kind of mass appeal of Magic Arena, we're getting more and more sponsors, and then they want tournaments. So, you know, we, we've had, like, the fandom tournaments. We've had the Twitch rival tournaments. Uh, now we have the Red Bull tournaments, uh, none of which we've ever had before with Magic Online, right? And I expect this trend to keep going forward, and we'll get more and more. And then maybe we'll get a Coca-Cola tournament one day. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... For me, I think if we do see more of uh, these type of tournaments, it does make the end of GP coverage or like the huge reduction of GP coverage make more sense. Like, uh, 
it, it was really nice to be like, oh, Saturday and Sunday, I can tune in, watch high-level modern play. Uh, that's something that I've missed with GPs being covered, like, five times a year instead of every weekend. So maybe these, like, sponsor tournaments and some of these special one-off type events will fill in some of the coverage gap that has kind of been missing ever since GPs went away. Yeah. But I think Wizard's intent is for you to tune into MPL streamers. <laughs> oh, I, I thought you meant the MPL stream. Uh, there are some really good that MPL. Too. There are some really good MPL streamers. Look, like uh, we're, we're in a different world nowadays, right? Like you know, five years ago, if you wanted to watch Magic, you had to wait until the weekend to see whatever, right? But nowadays, you can watch. Uh, Twitch streams, you can watch YouTube videos, uh, Twitch streams of individuals, Twitch streams of actual events and leagues. Uh, so maybe, maybe you don't need Grand Prix coverage anymore that there's more than enough magic content to consume nowadays that we're overloaded. So, uh, so maybe it's fine. And if we keep getting Red Bull tournaments, I mean, the production quality looked really good, right? So they're going to keep improving. And uh, maybe the sponsors get bigger and bigger, and then soon we'll be filling out stadiums. And then soon, if you're actually good at magic, you can actually be a world-famous star instead of just a guy that plays magic. Or girl. I think... I mean, yeah, there was this article talking about Arena and, like, the future and how things are changing. There was an article that went up on Bloomberg, I think, a day or two ago, uh, talking about Arena and... It's a potential growth over the next couple years. And uh, according to this article, which I assume is pretty correct, uh, right now there's 3.8 million players-ish is what it says, up from like 2 million last year. But they have it predicted by 2021 that the best case scenario is you're looking at like 10.5 million and maybe uh, up to 14 million. So that's a... That's an insane number of players. Like, if that actually happens in the next two years, and we see that kind of growth that's being predicted by some of these outside sources, that's a huge deal. And I'm sure we'll get more sponsor tournaments and stuff. Like, that's that's a really massive amount of growth in a short period of time. Yeah, the moment it becomes available on your phone, I expect, like, double or triple the players uh, and it'll be interesting to see how Watsi handles that, because then you're going to get a new wave of people complaining about lands and mana screw and things like that. Uh, but the minute it comes on mobile, everyone will play it. Because it's really backwards today, right? Like, you want to play Magic Arena? No, you can't play on your phone. No, you can't play on your Xbox or PS4 or anything. You must have a Windows PC, not even a Mac, <laughs> right? So... It is very limited today. So the minute they open it up, right, if they just make it available on the gaming consoles or your mobile device, you're going to get a huge, huge, huge bump in players. I hope the day comes. I, I really hope it does. We've heard so many mixed things about Arena coming to mobile over the past, like, six months to a year that at this point... I'm just taking a, a wait-and-see approach, because we've heard everything from, like, yes, it's definitely coming soon, to we're not working on it, to we're doing it, but we don't know when. So I'm just keeping my fingers crossed, but I think you're right. Like, that is what would really push things into overdrive, as far as Arena is concerned, if they can actually figure that out. Yeah, and they're definitely doing it. There's no... Like, if I'm the CEO of Hasbro or whatever, and I'm looking at all these numbers, there's no way I'm not, like, trying to jam mobile in. And the question is, like, how fast can they do it? I don't, I don't know. 
I think they gotta double down their efforts to keeping Arena on PC running. Have you noticed, like, a really big downgrade in performance since the last update? Uh, I noticed it ever since they did the the card styles, but yeah, it's been getting slower and slower. Uh, for some reason, it needs yeah. to download, like, 5 gigs every patch day, which is, like, absurd. <laughs> I'm like, really, guys? Like, I just want to hop in and do my stupid dailies, but I gotta wait to download five gigs, and it's uh, it's it's it needs it's a little rough. They need to clean it up a bit, but yeah, I, I think all of the cosmetics, the cat, the card styles, the new boards <laughs> oh, or whatever—it's all starting to take its toll on on our computers. Yeah, it's it's making me a little nervous because it feels like it's kind of went a little bit the wrong direction as far as performance recently. So hopefully Wizards gets on top of it. It just I'm having flashbacks to some of like the the bad days of Magic Online. <laughs> Look, yeah, the <laughs> team like, that brought you Moto, like we can't run an Excel spreadsheet or whatever <laughs> on our our 1995 software does not run on modern PCs. It needs 8 gigs of RAM for some reason. Uh, so Magic Arena is a bit more complex, but hopefully they can fix it. And uh, it's only going to get worse because they're going to keep adding cosmetics and things, right? So they, they, they need to actually fix it at some point. Yeah, and I mean, hopefully they can. It was running really well until a couple of months ago when they kept adding more and more stuff. So hopefully they they get the king's iron out and will be be good to go as far as Arena is concerned. Uh, speaking of Arena, since we're on the topic, we got some more mastery tree information. That's been probably the hottest topic, I think, on the Magic Arena subreddit this week. Uh, everyone's got an opinion on the mastery tree. So, Richard, have you gotten your, your cat yet? <laughs> I have not gotten the cat yet, Seth. I am, uh, I'm waiting. Apparently, a very reputable article was put out <laughs> that said the value of the mastery tree is worth it if you can actually complete it. And the question is, can you actually complete it because... You get a limited amount of XP each day, but Watsi has come out to say it is not capped, but they failed to mention the way you gain XP is capped. So, <laughs> so you can Aww. technically gain as much experience uh, every day, except there are only two ways to gain experience, which is through uh, your, your first two wins of the day and your quests. And there's only three quests, so if you add all that up, uh, there, there is a maximum amount of experience, but if for whatever reason they give you more experience, you can keep earning it. So for example, they gave a, a code this week, brought back, you can use that right now to give you 2,000 experience, uh, and that gets added on. So uh, it's not actually capped, but in reality it's capped. So... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's a little confusing. It's technically not capped because you can get the extra 2000 XP using the code and there's supposed to be events eventually that reward XP, but your typical day you can only get 1000 XP. So, uh yeah, I mean, I've seen a lot of complaints about this. I don't know why people are so upset about it considering it's like an extra thing. Like I could see if the if the complaint is it used to be easier to get packs through our weekly rewards, and, like, the free version of the Mastery Tree cuts back a couple packs, and you have to play more often. I can see that complaint, but I'm not really yeah. sure why... I think the complaint is so around the deception. About... It, it's like... That is also... It's like a yeah. car, right? It's like saying, look, this car has an engine going, you know, capable of going 200 miles per hour, except that 100 miles per hour, your car will fall apart, right? Therefore, your car cannot actually go 200. But if you keep marketing it as a car that goes 200, people will be upset. And I think that's what the problem is here. You are capped, but they keep trying to pass it off as uncapped to make them, you know, look better, right? But it's just 
factually not true. So people are, are upset at kind of the sleight of hand and the marketing speak that Watsi is trying to put out. It does seem like they kind of intentionally left some things out, even like if you watch the announcement video, just like the way they did it seemed to kind of like intentionally hide like the number of levels and that you couldn't get to them all and the number of days there is in a season and some stuff. So I think that that's actually like legitimate, just like this weird kind of like sketchy communication where it would be a lot better if they were just like upfront and open about stuff like that, especially in something like this. Like, if your goal is to have better PR, I think you're going to get that by being honest <laughs> compared well, yeah. to having everyone, like, ranting at you about how you're lying to them, essentially. I mean, my <laughs> assumption is they don't know what they're doing. Like, it, I mean that in a serious way, right? Like, I think what's going to happen is maybe, like, two weeks from now, we'll get, like, a popper event or something. And if you win your first popper event, say you get to seven wins, you get 5,000 experience or something like that. Like, they'll throw in free experience for people. And that's why there's, they're kind of stressing that it's uncapped, right? Because in the future, if they, you know, have some event that gives you 5,000 experience, you're free to claim it whenever. You're not, it's not going to get cut off. So that is my guess as to what will happen, that they'll give you more experience rewards, like through events or through coupons or whatever in the future. I think, yeah, and they have kind of said that, that they were going to have events that rewarded it, and we've already gotten some codes that reward XP, so that makes sense, but their messaging is still just so sloppy. Like, they could have laid this out more cleanly. When I wrote the article and did the video about it, there was a lot of comments from people like, thank you for doing this, because I had no idea what Wizards was, like, trying to say when I watched their announcement, or, like, why couldn't Wizards have, like, just said things this plain? Plainly, so I understood what's going on. So I think the messaging is definitely a, a little bit convoluted and unnecessarily so. Yeah, it wouldn't uh, be magic say... if you didn't need a spreadsheet to understand what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> I will say I think you're doing it uh, exactly right. That was basically the conclusion I came to since you get all your rewards retroactively unless you're just dying to have the elemental cat right away uh there's no reason not to wait until towards the end of the season which will be heading to the next set release like in september and if you've completed a lot of levels then buy it it's definitely worth uh the cost if you've completed a good portion of the levels uh, and then if you haven't completed a good portion of the levels then don't buy it so i think that that's the smartest thing for most players to do is just wait to the end of the season and then uh, decide if the rewards you'll uh, get are worth it. Yeah, actually, we, we need to add a feature to the site where we tell you the theoretical maximum experience you could have at this point. Like, if you Ooh. banked all your quests and rewards for the day it was released and you re-rolled them all... Wait, uh, is it different experience for the 750 versus 500 gold quests? It's not. As it's long not. as you okay. complete your quest, you get the same amount. Yeah. yeah. So if you did, the, if you played daily, used all their coupon codes, and then uh, did all your uh, quests, I, like what level are you at? Because I think I'm at level 14 or 15 or something. I don't even remember anymore. Ooh. But I wonder how far I, up you'd be if you actually did everything. Yeah, I think I'm a little behind you. I think I'm at like 11 or 12, but I occasionally miss days because I'm playing Magic Online. And I am really bad about caring about quests. Like, I just play what I want to play, and if the quests work out, they work out. So I need to be better about, like, re-rolling my quests and stuff, so... Have you ever forced a color in draft or seal to finish your quests? Because <laughs> I have, and it's not good. <laughs> it is not a good idea. No. I'm like, but I need to play 30 red spells. <laughs> yeah. 
I I guess I've never done that, but there was a time when I had. I can't remember what the quest was. This was a long time ago. Now it was play thirty red spells. It might have been play thirty red spells or something like that. And I just made a deck that was like all red one drops and like intentionally would just like <laughs> cast as many as I can and then scoop and then do it again until I hit the the proper mark. My soul <laughs> dies when <laughs> when I have to do that, so I don't do that. I've seen people <laughs> recommend like joining the the popper queues and then just quitting to let your opponent get the win and. I'm like, yeah, I guess, but that's not fun. <laughs> it's not a fun use of time for me to gain 500 gold, which is like, I don't know what, like 10 cents. I don't know what it is, right? But <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, it's a, the incentives are weird. That's for sure. And as someone who doesn't play a lot of games with quests and those incentives, it takes some getting used to because it's very different than how I'm used to playing Magic to have to think about that stuff. I, I do want to say though, the new graphics make it feel like I'm accomplishing something like the the quest <laughs> the, the quest icon like it has like the glowy experience thing now on it and I'm like yeah mastery tree making progress <laughs> so it actually feels good even though effectively nothing changed it feels like I'm playing a modern game where like some progress is happening and it's all flashy and casual casual Richard feels good when that happens <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of cosmetics and I'm probably gonna get in trouble for saying this but I hate that cat. Oh my I god, really, Seth is a cat hater. I really hate the <laughs> elemental cat. It, like, meows, and it won't be quiet, and then if you click it, it hisses at you, and it just drives me insane. It really does. I feel like I feel like they put it in there to tilt me intentionally. <laughs> Hashtag dogs. <laughs> I'm sure we'll get more pets in the future. Maybe we'll get a dog, and then I'll, I'll love it. <laughs> what, what if we just get a blood moon? <laughs> it's, oh, it's just a moon. That, <laughs> oh, that would be sweet. I could deal with that. <laughs> you, you wait until we become full, fl- uh, full to play. Like the cat randomly like throws a biscuit onto your land, and it becomes a basic mountain till end of turn. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> then you can pay oh. more gems to have it like throw it at your opponent instead of you or something. Like we're we're going all out here. <laughs> oh, the future of magic is scary. <laughs> Hopefully, we never get to that point. <laughs> I, I do want like a Urza head though. Wouldn't that be cool? <laughs> that that would be sweet. There definitely is a lot of cool stuff that they can do with the pet thing. And assuming it doesn't lag the client too much, it could actually be really cool once it gets going. Yeah, and I want to see the pets get incorporated into the card game. Like, I'm surprised they didn't put Mobu there. Like, that wouldn't that be perfect? Mobu has to be going there soon. But soon enough, I think we're going to see that pet on a card. We're going to see the elemental cat on an actual card. Dude. Do- do we not already have one? Do we? I don't know. What's uh, Chandra's... We, we definitely I mean, can't, right? Because the cat is five colors. <laughs> yeah, it's it's five colors. Is it really? You can, I think it's the, I think it's Chandra's ember cat. Oh, is it? I don't know. But that cat I can mean, eventually... I don't. Do they have it now? Eventually you can get one for each color. Oh, okay. So maybe, yeah, maybe we, we get a full cycle that. of ember cats. I guess I always just see the red one. It must be that you upgrade them as it goes along to other colors. So if you're playing Elementals, do, does it trigger your Risen Reef? Chandra's <laughs> <laughs> Ember Cat does. <laughs> no. <laughs> the cosmetic cat, Seth. I oh, need all no. the advantages <laughs> I can get. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's, uh, let's answer some fish mail. I think we covered all of our topics, so fish mail time. All right. If you have questions, send them to at MTGGoldfish with the hashtag MTGFishMail, and we'll get to your questions on air. No news 
gods, please. Do you think rather than banning, would modern ever look at restricting cards like vintage? One Hogak isn't too bad. What if you have one bridge from below? <laughs> I mean, it obviously would power things down, although it leads to like this weird style of gameplay where you're tutoring up your restricted cards. And it also is a lot more complicated compared to just like, you can't play this card. So I feel like, I don't know. I think the restricted list works for vintage because kind of the gimmick of vintage is you can play every card ever printed. So you kind of have to have a restricted list for vintage, but I think I would like modern less with the restricted list because it's a little bit more complicated and it kind of incentivizes some uh, styles of gameplay where you're just trying to tutor up your banned card anyway. Yeah. Uh, competitive non I always hear you guys talking about how expensive Magic is, and I totally agree. How do you propose Watsi lower the price for all formats to match the fifty to sixty dollar range of other video games? Uh, Magic Arena. Play Arena. Yeah, yeah. That's that's basically. There's no way that will ever happen in the paper world. I don't even think that uh, that Wizards would want that to happen in the paper world, uh, just for their profits. Yeah, I, I think Arena is the answer for. For people that don't want to spend money, but you don't get to play, quote unquote, real magic, right? You, you get to play arena, right? And you have to grind your way into a tier deck. But I think magic will always be expensive. It's, it's part of the game at this point. Like, I don't see them releasing a change to make vintage decks like 50 bucks, 10 bucks. But magic is expensive. When we talk about $100 budgets, $100 can get you, like, so many things. Rather than pieces yeah. of cardboard. <laughs> 11 Vicious. For the sake of the argument, let's say that during the uh, reveal of the promo soul ring, the six color purple was real. Uh, what would the purple color be based on? What mechanics, creatures, and abilities would it be? Ooh. It would have to be like an expansion draft where like all the colors have to put forth their mechanics and then <laughs> they get them taken by purple. Because what new things are there? There there aren't that many new things, right? There aren't that many new things. I mean, I guess one possibility would be, like, uh, the colorless mana from Eldrazi. Like, that kind of had its own, its own set of, like, mechanics, but... What, what was the Eldrazi mechanic? Just not having uh, color? <laughs> yes, just not having color. <laughs> so their mechanic is being purple? <laughs> Uh, I feel like I'm trying to find this. This oh, is an like actual real thing. Like that. Exile. They they actually tried to do this back during uh, Time Spiral Block. That was actually one of the things that they tested because they thought it was a good way to uh, show off like the altered reality of the set. But uh, I don't know if they got as far as actually making mechanics for it. I'm trying to see if I can can find it, but I think that it says they were going to do roughly what you said, where they get slices of other colors, color pies, essentially, but then mix them all together, so you get a, a, a kind of a unique identity by mashing together all the other colors. Alright, Seth. Put you on the hot seat. What is more likely to come first? The color purple? Or the removal of the reserve list? Ooh. Uh, or how about... <laughs> How about the Ember Cat being actually functional in a game of magic? <laughs> it might be that one. <laughs> magic no longer being a TCG. <laughs> I don't think I don't think 
I don't think they're going to get rid of the reserve list, but I also don't think that purple will be a color. I'm going to say purple is more likely because we know they already tried it and we haven't seen any signs of them getting rid of the reserve list at this point. Yeah, I, I think when magic is about to die, purple will come out. <laughs> like if they're like, oh, we're out of content, what should we do? How about a new color? Then we can print like 8 million dual lands. We can print like, you know, 8 million new creatures and things. So like when they're really stretching it, I think they'll they'll pull out the purple. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could say the same about the reserve list, though. Like, if they're about to go under, why not reprint all the reserve list stuff? Yeah. Captain Wild 26 Hey, guys. My brother Jeremy is getting married this week and is a huge fan of the show. Can you get a congratulatory, sh- congratulatory shout-out? And then, question. Who is the greatest couple of magic? Oh, boy. Well, congratulations, well, Jeremy. and Definitely congrats. Jeremy's partner. Greatest couple in magic. Are there magic couples? Seth and Tomer's friendship. <laughs> oh, I was thinking of like actual lore and like Vorthos stuff. Oh, and I... actual magic. There are none. Wait, Jason Lily? That's it, right? Yeah, there's Were they even a thing? Many. Magic doesn't go into this space. Oh, yeah, okay, okay, I got I, it. I got it. I got it. Kieran and Pia. Oh. Yeah, Boom. that's they're even or what Annex about like, and Keyboard and Luma? Oh. <laughs> I don't yes. know if they're like partners or they're they just share a card. Every card Ooh, with the I, word partner on it. <laughs> yes, that's actually that's what Cannon, I was ask Cannon you. Rowan? No, wait. What Rowan, would the most, what, most attractive couple be of partners? Like, if you were judging the partners not by their gameplay oh, and how well clearly they the eye guy and the Cyclops. What are their names? <laughs> <laughs> Zend- Split. Zendosplit. I don't know. <laughs> Man, I'm getting old. I can't remember the name of any magic card anymore. <laughs> yeah, that... Okay, that that works. I bet we'll see more of this as they get to the Netflix series, too. Like, they gotta head that direction at no some way. point. No way. It's gonna turn show. into, like, a teen soap opera type show. I don't think they would ever go, go, go that direction. Uh-huh, I don't know. I mean, there's gotta be a love story in there. <laughs> Uh, the the Jace coming of age love story. That this is the magic <laughs> content we all been waiting for. Uh, okay. Oh crap! Now what? What casting costs slash restrictions would you put on a spell that says you win the game, as opposed to cards that say when this, you win that, like as additional Boy. cost to cast card name kind of cat territory. Wait, what about just straight up mana? Like if I pay eight mana, win the game? Is that is that overpowered? <laughs> I don't, yeah, I think, I think it is. I think that would be way too easy. What if it's like 10 mana and then it's like, it has some restriction about it can't be played from your library and like you must control eight lands or something or I don't know, like you can't pay alternate casting costs or something. Uh, maybe, maybe if it was some big restrict, like, uh, like you can only use mana from creatures to cast this or like some sort of like weird restriction like that you could get away with it i think though just like ramp into something that's 10 mana and win the game is probably not fun although i guess like if you ramp into omniscience but you still need like another card to win the game emrakul is probably the closest you can get to like ramp into this guaranteed win and that's still 15 mana, and it's still not 100% guaranteed. How about, like, 10 mana, you win the game. When the spell resolves, if you control less than 10 lands, counter the spell. <laughs> Something like that. Force you to have 10 lands. 
Mm, or you lose the game. Or you lose the game. Oh, wow, that, that strip mine is... Uh... Yes, <laughs> make my strip mines a little bit strip better. Strip mine's going to be brutal. <laughs> I mean, I guess you could make restrictions on, like, something on the battlefield. Like, uh, when, when you cast a spell, if you control... 10 or more planeswalkers, you win the game or something like that and make it so rather than being like an enchantment or something where you're like, oh, you got to wait another turn. Uh, you could have some sort of restriction like that that might work. Huh. If you control 20 or more creatures, I guess you could do like some of the old enchantment cycles, like the Battle of Wits cycle, Test of Endurance cycle, like those could be sorceries rather than enchantments, and it would make them more powerful. Like Battle of Wits, when you when this spell resolves, if you have more than 200 cards in your library, you win the game. Yeah. How about a Graveyard Battle of Wits? If you have 250 cards in your graveyard, <laughs> you win the game. <laughs> take, take Battle of the Wits to the next level. <laughs> All right, uh, Militia Bugler, I'm planning on going to Magic Fest Las Vegas this year, and I'm wondering if you guys have any advice for first-timer in Vegas, magic-related or not. Also, shout-out to the agent of Enju, who I ran into on my way to GP Portland last year. So, I've only been to Vegas once, and it was last year's GP Vegas, and uh, it seemed like a really cool city. Uh, definitely uh, a touristy place. Uh, I would stay inside as much as you can. It's ridiculously hot. That's probably... Uh, my biggest advice, uh, it was like 115, 120 when we were out there, and that's that's a little ridiculous. Yeah, prepare to be blasted. You go outside, it's like a million degrees, and you go inside, then it's like super cold because of the AC. Uh, don't lose all your money gambling. Um, drink lots of water. I don't know. Have a good time. There's not much. I think Magic Fest Vegas is pretty fun. It's interesting because you have to divvy your time up between going to Magic Fest and then also going to Vegas. Because if you've never been to Vegas, uh, there's a lot of stuff to do. Uh, you can go see all the hotels. You can uh, actually go out to the Grand Canyon if you felt like it. But yeah, there, there's a lot of stuff to do. Just, just don't, just don't lose all your money gambling. I think, <laughs> I think a lot of people go and then they get sucked into gambling. And you know, we're magic players. We think we can beat the odds. We're like, don't worry about it. RNG's on my side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you give me that advice every time I talk about going to Vegas. <laughs> I am very worried that Seth will lose his way in Vegas and never come back. <laughs> Dustin, my head. Why did Commander Summit invite Saffron Olive, but not Tomer? I really like both of you, but isn't Mr. Abramovici? I don't even know how to pronounce Tomer's last name. Isn't that weird? <laughs> Me either. <laughs> I think he's told us Abramovich? once, too. I think it might be like uh, Abrama Abramovich. Uh, you're a guy for Commander stuff. Uh, so, uh, I don't know the answer to this, other than uh, I got a random email from the command zone guys and are like hey do you want to do this and i recorded the video so uh i'm not sure why they didn't think of asking tomer all right we, we, we got to get tomer up for uh for some punny punny action that might be why they knew there'd be too many bad bad puns <laughs> they, <didn't> <laughs> they, they pre-screened tomer and he failed <laughs> Chaotic Apathy 15. Hey guys, do you think a good way to increase Twitch views for Pro Magic would be to release polls so the audience can vote to see certain matches? Could work for Magic Fest or maybe MPL. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, it works for against the odds. <laughs> People seem to like it. Yeah, I mean, if they can pull it off, uh, Technically, and there's a way they could like do the poll fast enough where people aren't sitting there waiting for the next match and like have the matches set up in a way where you could actually do it, then 
I think that could be cool. Yeah, like you want to talk about Twitch embeds? There are so many ways to do this. Like, what if they gave you 500 experience for watching an MPL match in the client? Mm-hmm. What if you could get like a, a card back or something that's your favorite MPL player for, for watching? They can do so many rewards. Uh, we see it all the time in other games. And uh, we even see like Twitch integrations, right? Where like from Twitch, you can integrate with the game. So Magic has a lot of things they could be doing to kind of increase viewership. But I think they just have so much going on. I don't think anyone expected Arena to take off like this. So they're just scrambling to get everything done. But I think they'll do something eventually. I think voting for your favorite player and watching it and then unlocking bonuses in the game is an easy thing that they'll do eventually. Saw speaks. What do you think of getting rid of pre-releases and having sealed and drafts in large supply at launch weekend? A lot of players have drafted the set 12 times online before they open a pack of a new set. Well, that would be because Watsy has decided to make like the pre-pre-release. <laughs> and, uh, remember, remember like before we used to complain about Magic Online getting sets like after paper. And then now we're like literally like two weeks ahead of paper for Arena, like so fast that Gatherer doesn't even have any cards up. And it, yeah. it's, it's a weird spot to be in. <laughs> it definitely is strange. And, I don't know. I saw this conversation kind of going around on Twitter and people talking about it. I think that some people still really like pre-release, and it seems like it's one of the events that, for a lot of people, might be, like, the only event they get out to. Like, there's there's a crowd that doesn't go to F&M every week, doesn't go to GPs, but they do go out to the pre-release. So I think there's still value in having paper pre-releases, but I definitely agree that it's a little awkward that a set is out for, like, 10 days and there's lists being published and so forth before pre-release technically happens. Yeah, it's a way to sell cards because really, like... You know, if I was like, hey, when does Core Set 2020 release? And you're like, next week, but I could go play a pre-release this weekend or I could play at my Magic Arena like last week. It's a little weird, but they're doing it so that you go to pre-release to get cards before you can buy cards, right? Because if they release it all at the same time, you wouldn't have to actually play the pre-release. You can just go buy a box and be done with it. But they want to get people like Krim who join, grab the cards, drop, and go home, and then try to open it to Fairy or something, right? So that's the point of the pre-release, but it's getting very skewed in the world of digital and, uh, you know, with, with how long this has been going on, the actual release date is not relevant. Like, what if I told you, like, Spider-Man releases this week? But you could have watched it like two weeks ago during the previewing. And you're like, what What does that even mean? Right? It's like very confusing for a new player. Yeah. And I do think that Corset 2020 was abnormal. Like normally the set releases like Thursday digitally and then pre-release starts on Friday now. Uh, so normally it's like a day or two ahead. I don't know why it was so far ahead this time. My guess is maybe like the holiday weekend threw things off. Like normally they release on... Thursday, which would have been 4th of July here in the U.S., so my guess is that's why it was pushed up so much compared to the norm, but yeah. So, I mean, if it's one or two days ahead, I think that's more okay. I just want to see a one-day release. Like, look, on this day, you can play Corset 2020, and everything is released, and that would be perfect. Because it's so conf- it's like on the site we have the release date, but then you see the price history <laughs> from like weeks beforehand as people can buy them already. It's just really awkward. 
Uh, last question. Captain WoW 26, with Kess being reprinted into Modern Horizons, what other commander cards would be fun to see in Modern? Oh, I always wanted Shardless Agent. Shardless Agent might That's be... That's not a commander card set. <laughs> yeah, it is, isn't it? Oh, was it originally in a commander set? Oh, maybe... Oh, it was... You're right. It was Plane Chase. So it wasn't... It was Plane Chase 2012, <laughs> so it wasn't a commander card. Uh, Baleful Strix. Is that also Plane Chase? Or was that a commander no. deck? No. Uh, I don't know. How about True Name Nemesis? That was definitely a commander. Yes, Commander... Tw- no, Richard. No, no, no. Baleful Strix was Commander 2013, yeah. I don't think... I actually think... Are those really commander cards, though? They feel... I, I, anything that sees... Per- you know, a lot of play and legacy, I don't associate with being a commander card. I mean, I think a lot of the actual commanders would be fine. Like, you could probably print... I'm trying to think if there's any exceptions. I think all the, like, legendaries from the commander decks, I think they would all be fine uh, in modern. I would like to see the, I guess, battle bond cards. The, the, The partners that tutor up the other partner... That that would be cool, and I don't think they'd be overpowered in any way. I've heard a rumor that it's possible they're going to change the rules, so Commander cards will be Modern Legal uh, after Modern Horizon. So we'll see. The next Commander deck's coming out in, what, a month now? month and a half? So we'll see if there's any announcement. But that's something, just a rumor I've heard floating around. Wait, all, that, all Commander cards? Like, true name? Yeah, that like when they put out the Commander decks. I don't know if it would be retroactive or going forward, but yeah. This sounds that's, that's too good to be true. Because I feel like Commander is one of the spots where they can reprint uh, the old cards. Like, Legacy and Vintage Staples. Uh, that's That's true, too. But now it would all go into Modern. Yeah, I guess it would restrict a little bit what you could print in some of the commander decks. Although I do think that, like, a huge percentage of the cards would be fine. Like, True Name's a little bit worrying. Maybe Toxic Deluge is maybe a little too good. But in general, most of the cards would be fine. Do you really think True Name would be too broken in in Modern? It's like Stoneforge. What are you going to do with your three mana three one while Hogak is going off and killing you? Oh, Hogak's banned. Sorry, Karn is destroying your hand and and your lands. Like, (laughs) oh, Scape Shift, you're dead. Like, I don't know if True Dave does anything. I think it would be too good in the version of modern that I wish exists. (laughs) But the Judd Mirror (laughs) version, yeah, like the nice fair. Everyone's dirtling and doing their cool things. But uh, in in reality, you're right. You probably you're still just gonna get comboed off. Yeah, especially without Stoneforge. Like if you don't have equipment to go with True Name, that's like a seven turn clock. Like it does basically. Like no one's killing your creatures in Modern anyway, right? Like they're just doing whatever. <laughs> so it's problematic against control decks. But even then, eh, I I like to see True Name unbanned. Give Merfolk a little boost. It'll, it'll help out Merfolk. <laughs> Yeah, that's it is a good Merfolk, that's for sure. Uh, I don't know. It's just such an annoying card that I wish they just had never printed it. Period. Like what? three mana progenitus. There's no GTA. Like what are you gonna do? It's like okay, true name. Play sort of fire and ice. Equip. Hit you. Draw a card. <laughs> colossal hammer, Richard. Oh, colossal hammer's a thing now. Colossal hammer. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, true name. Now, if they gave true name in fact, now we'd be talking. <laughs> uh, that's all our fish meal for this week. Thank you to everyone who sent them in. If you have questions, send them to at mtggoldfish with the hashtag mtgfishmail, and we'll get to your questions on air.
And I think that that brings us to the end of episode 232 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So, Richard, thanks for hanging out. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to FlipSideGaming.com for supporting the show. You can check them out and even get 10% off with the code GOLDFISH. So, with that, uh, I think we're done for the week. So, we'll be back next week to talk about whatever has happened in the world of magic. So, until then, this is the crew signing out. Bye.